Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, still to come, we're going to hear from uh, this Calgary woman. Provides haircuts, free haircuts to those in need. And has a bus that she uses, um, an old school bus, I think, to provide this service. Uh, finally just got her bus back after it was towed from her home. We'll get to that story. Uh, this is interesting, and I think it's something we all worry about to some extent. How disgusting <laughs> is your bathroom? It's certainly, I think, one part of your house where you try to keep clean as much as possible. There's a new study from uh, NSF International. It's the National Sanitation Foundation. So it involves scientists who swabbed 30 surfaces in 22 homes. They found coliform bacteria, which is found in fecal matter, 9% of bathroom faucets, and in 27% of toothbrush holders. So is it cause for concern? Right? We don't want to be paranoid. We don't want to be going nuts and disinfecting our homes every single day. But at the same time, we don't want these problems to get out of hand. So I want to get a better understanding of how worried we should be about germs and bacteria that we find in our house, and in particular, how worried we should be about our bathroom. Uh, Jason Tetro is uh, on the line with us here today. He's a visiting scientist at the University of Guelph. He's author of The Germ Code, as well as the national bestseller, The Germ Files. Jason, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, it's such a great pleasure to be here. All right. Yeah. I mean, do you think the bathroom kind of gets a bit of a bad rap? Is that the, the most germiest place in, in our house typically? Well, no, actually, the, uh, the germiest place is going to be the kitchen. And uh, people always ask, you know, what is the germiest thing in the home? And, and actually, that's your kitchen sponge, believe it or not. Uh, that thing can have somewhere along the lines of 10 billion bacteria for every square centimeter. So um, that always gets the award. But when it comes to, you know, when do we notice germs the most, that actually goes to the bathroom. And then the reason is because... Um, there's this very interesting thing that happens with bacteria and also with fungi. They like to build up on surfaces. And when they build up, uh, they will grow and they, you know, remove waste products. And those waste products smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how we know that things are happening uh, when it comes to bacteria buildup. And it's just more likely that that's going to happen in the bathroom. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, certainly, I mean, the bacteria, one of the ones we, we worry most about, we don't want to get sick, obviously, and it just seems icky, but fecal bacteria. And I, I guess maybe the logical source of all of that uh, would typically be uh, in the bathroom, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, when you're t- looking at um, how fecal coliforms uh transfer, uh, usually it's as a result of someone not uh, keeping the lid down when they're flushing, uh, because it kind of makes sense. When you're flushing, there is a sort of a backsplash, and that makes droplets go upwards of, you know, 15 feet, but usually it's about six feet uh, 
around the, the toilet itself, that you'll be able to pick up these fecal coliforms. So if you have anything that's within that six-foot range and you haven't been closing the lid when you flush, there's a very good likelihood those bacteria are going to get on there. And what makes the bathroom a little bit more important in terms of bacterial growth is it gives the bacteria what they need, which is a nice warm place to grow, some really good moisture because they need the water, and of course food. Now, in this particular case, food isn't what we think food is. Food is dead skin, oil, grime, dirt, that type of stuff that you're actually taking off of your body and putting onto towels, uh, hairbrushes, loofah sponges, et cetera, et cetera. So that's really where we need to be thinking about um, you know, cleaning in order to be uh, keeping that build up to a minimum. Well, and you mentioned, um, you know, sponges. And obviously then in the bathroom, in the shower, we have, you know, washcloths maybe that, that we'll hang mm-hmm. over the rack, use for a few days, or shower pops, loofahs, maybe we'll hang on to those a little bit longer. Uh, at what point should we be worried about what's building up inside those? Well, really what it comes down to is um, what we call a minimal infective dose. And what that means is you have to be exposed to a certain amount before it's going to cause any problems to your health. Now, thankfully, when it comes to a number of bacteria that you find in the bathroom, uh, it's, it's a huge, huge amount. We're talking in the hundreds of thousands to millions uh, in an exposure before there's any problems. So when you're looking at different types of objects, that number is going to um, be different based on time. So a loofah sponge probably will uh, grow hundreds of thousands probably within a week Uh, especially if it's being used on a regular basis. Uh, Same goes for your towels. Um, But when you're talking about, say, a razor, then you're not getting as much on there, so the bacteria will not grow as fast, so you may not need to wash it or change it as often. Uh, But one thing I should mention is that the hairbrush, uh, it's not just the bacteria that's a problem, it's actually also a fungus. It's known as malassezia. And I know most people don't know about it by name, but they sure know what it causes, and that's dandruff. Oh, yes. And the thing is, if you're not washing your hairbrush about once a month in extremely hot water, we're talking over 71 degrees Celsius with a little bit of soap uh, and and maybe a bit of vinegar, then what's going to happen is it doesn't really matter what shampoo you choose to use. Um, you're still going to end up reintroducing that fungus into your hair, and that's when you start ending up having the dandruff. Uh, and, and so the thing is, is that if you start to see small little changes in the way your skin is reacting, there's a good chance that it might be that you need to change your hairbrush or your face cloth or your loofah sponge or at least find a way to clean it. What's the most effective way to, to clean these things? Well, this has been sort of one of the, the long-standing uh, issues when it comes to reducing uh, bacterial load. Back in the day, it was always hot, hot water, 71 degrees Celsius, boiling water, whatever you want, uh, and it was going to be used constantly, and it worked like a charm. The thing is, is that we've gotten into this uh, habit of using cold uh, water to, to launder, and people think that warm water is going to be effective. Well, it's not. And so what we need to do is, you know, whether it be your loofah sponge, whether it be your hairbrush, uh, you want to make sure that if it's something you can reuse after washing, make sure it's in extremely hot water uh, and it's in there for at least a half an hour to an hour. Now, when you're talking about something that you can't really wash 
you know, like razor blades or in certain cases, you know, like mascara brushes and that, the best thing to do is to change them on a regular basis. Uh, and here's where it gets even more interesting. Maybe 20 years ago, um, h- how often did you change your blades? Oh, yeah, not very often. Um, yeah, well, now today you're changing your blades uh, maybe about once a month. You know, you've yeah, got these, yeah. uh, the, the, we've got companies that are telling us, you know, you can hold on to your razor blades for a month. Well, the thing is, is that it's about two weeks before you start to have a buildup uh, on your razor blades where you're actually going to start to have problems. So you kind of are stuck. Are you going to deal with the skin problems because you want to keep that razor blade for a month? Or do you actually, you know, try and use hot water, really, really strong hot water, um, soaking it, maybe using some of that uh, isopropyl alcohol that you can get in the, the drugstore to maybe do a little bit of disinfecting just so that you can maintain it. That's what I do at home because, you know, I have blades that last me a month. What about toothbrushes? How frequently should we be uh, changing our toothbrushes? And, and are there different ways of, of keeping them cleaner in the interim? Yeah, well, the toothbrush is going to be um, kind of like the kitchen sponge, and I really am sorry to your listeners because this is going to sound really gross, but <laughs> on average, every single day, there's probably about a million uh, bacteria and, and other microbes uh, in those bristles, and that's going back into your mouth. Now, thankfully, it's usually the same bacteria that was in your mouth, unless you're you know, sharing toothbrushes, um, but what you can do is on a daily basis, you know, right before you brush your teeth, just get very, very hot water. You know, just turn on the hot, no cold. Let it soak under there, under the stream for like five seconds. That's going to help. And then do it the same after you've uh, brushed your teeth as well. That's going to help to minimize the amount of bacteria that's on there. And again, if your toothbrush happens to be within six feet of your toilet, keep that lid down. I know it's when you tell people how it works when it comes to a toothbrush, usually I hear people emailing me saying the lid is always down now. (laughs) Well, but that's just it, right? I mean, we want to be prudent. We want to ensure that we're we're taking reasonable steps to to uh, keep our stuff clean. But we don't want to overreact either. We don't want to be you know bleaching our our home on a daily basis. So how do you help people keep things in perspective? Well, again, it really comes down to what I like to call the smell test. I mean, if you've got something that you're using on a regular basis and, you know, after 24 hours or a day when you go back to it and it doesn't smell and it doesn't give off, you know, these these volatile gases that you don't like, then there's probably nothing wrong with it. Um, If you see buildup on blades or on brushes, then you know that there's probably, you're getting to a point where there may be a problem. So, you know, use the smell test, use your eyes. That will give you a better idea as to what the um, microbiological quality, as we like to call it, uh, happens to be. You don't need a Petri plate, and most importantly, you don't need to be disinfecting all the time. I mean, there's nothing wrong in a bathroom of having it completely clean every single day, but you don't necessarily have to do that. Well, some important advice. People can uh, read more at jasontetro.com. Really appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us here today. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. All right, you too. There you go. Jason Tetro, the germ guy. They call him jasontetro.com. Again, his books, uh, The Germ Code, The Germ Files. Right? He's not saying, like, freak out and go nuts, but just to be aware, right? Uh, so it's um, educational. <laughs> uh, a little icky, too, I guess, but... It's, it's good stuff to know. 403-974-8255. Back with more good stuff to know right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.